0: You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome. Happy Independence Day. Glad you're here worshiping with us on your 4th of July. Hey, I'm really excited this morning. We're starting a new sermon series, and some of you are like, you already looked at your worship guide. And you're like, you're excited because you're not preaching at all during the sermon series. You get like, you know, four weeks off. That's not true. That's not true. I have some other things I'm working on. But I'm actually really excited about this sermon series. Um, One, because every summer we like to stop and take some time and talk about who we are as a church, our vision and our values. We need that reminder so that we're faithful to live out the things that Jesus has called us to live out as his church. But more importantly, I'm excited about this series, Values and Voices, because you're going to get the chance to hear from some other leaders in our church that don't normally preach. And, um, and so I want to invite up Joe. Joe, come on up. This is Joe Gunther. You guys can clap for Joe. Um, Joe and his wife, Audra, moved here um, to, to do a church planting residency with us. And um, really, if you guys have been around for a while, you know that we have a value of multiplication. We want to multiply churches. We want to plant other churches. In other words, we don't want to grow just kind of one big church and keep adding on a bigger, bigger building. But we want to multiply. We want to reach more people with the good news of Jesus through church planting. And so God has brought Joe and Audra here, and they'll be planting Redeemer Huddo in the next year. And it's just been such a joy to get to know Joe. Joe, you've been such an encouragement in the short time that you've been here. And Joe's gonna be sharing with us today our value as a church to be a missional and multiplying church family. So I wanna pray for Joe. And then uh, Joe's gonna lead us through God's word. Let me pray for you, brother. God, thank you for my friend, for my brother, Joe. Lord, for your faithfulness in his life, just as we sing about, God, you've been so faithful and your faithfulness to our church and your faithfulness to us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray for Joe as he prepares to open the book of John chapter 20 this morning, Lord, that you would fill him with your spirit, that you would even open up our hearts and our our eyes and our minds to, to see ourselves correctly, to see you rightly, to learn from your word, to be shaped by your word, to be led kindly to repentance. The Romans tells us that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. And so, God, help us to see your grace, to taste your grace as we open your word this morning. Fill Joe with your power. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And as you guys are turning there, I want to first just thank uh, the elders here at Redeemer for just giving me this opportunity to to share about what it means to be a missional family. Uh, Super grateful for the opportunity. I'm excited about this this morning and this message out of John 20. Uh, I'm also a little bummed this morning because uh, usually I serve in Redeemer Kids. This is my week to serve in the lower elementary class, and so those, those guys are back there. I'm here, and I, I feel kind of disconnected, like I'm missing those guys, like I long to, to hang out with them, because those, those guys are fun. They're fun, and they're, they, they have a lot of energy, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that you help bridge that gap just a little bit for us this morning, and you guys are, yeah, you guys are talking about energy and stuff, and Y'all are probably thinking, oh gosh, man, it's cloudy, it's going to be rainy, energy does not sound fun, but before we get going into John chapter 20, I want to start with just a quick story about how Audra, Addie, and Emma, and myself got here. Church planning was introduced to us back in 2015 by the Spirit. We were youth directors in our local church back home, and we just felt like the Lord had just impressed on our hearts and just really out of thin air, that we should just randomly start a church. Now, mind you, at this time, we were pretty immature. We were young, and we, you know, but it was, it was exciting. It was adventurous, and it was like, man, this could be really cool. And it was about like a firework. It exploded, and it was beautiful, and it fizzled out pretty quick because about a week later, we realized we are not equipped to do this. We are young, and this is pretty overwhelming. So we just kind of laughed the whole thing off, put it on the back burner, That was until December 30th of 2018. We were on vacation and we uh, were attending a local church in the DFW area. And it was where it was in that moment in that church that morning that God not only brought this idea of church planning back to the front of our hearts, but he also revealed an avenue or a network that prioritizes planting healthy gospel centered churches which is very important to Audra and I. Whether we're leading a church or serving a church, we want to be a part of a healthy, gospel-centered church. That's one of our values as a family. So this is how I was connected to the Redeemer Network. This is how I met uh, Pastor Jordan and Pastor Josh. So it was clear that God had called us to plant churches, but then it raises the next question, which is kind of the more exciting question that people like to, to ask us is, well, where? Where do you, where do you plant so I'm, I'm from the Abilene area, this is where I was born, this is where I was raised, this is what, uh, where I call home. This is also where I spent the first year of my residency uh, at, at Redeemer's sister church called The Well. But the whole time we were there, or the whole time really Audrey and I have been married, we've, we've always just kind of were pretty certain that Abilene wasn't going to be home forever for our family. So as we began our search for a new community, we ventured down this road, and man, we were really kind of all over the map, visiting and praying over communities. We had no clear direction, we had no peace. We were second guessing everything that we had committed to, wondering, what, what, Lord, what are you, what have you brought us to? Like what what, what are we doing here? And it was it was like that for, for a while, that was until a friend reached out to me. His name is Ricky Garzon, who is a he's also a church planting or he was a church planning resident, he's now a church planner up in the panhandle in Borger, Texas. And he reached out to me and he invited me to come down to Redeemer Round Rock this time last year to come hear him preach. And he wanted us to come meet his family and just hang out on July 4th, which was a Saturday. And, and so, you know what? We were like, let's, let's do it. This sounds fun. And then COVID hit, which kind of wrecked everybody's plans. And he was like, dude, this is going to be kind of weird. I'm going to have to preach to a camera. And I don't know how this is going to. So we were like, you know what? We just want to come down and just hang out and just see what the Lord does. Because he had, a, he had other motives going on. He was trying to get us to plant there in, in Taylor. So he was, we, 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 so we drove down that morning and we met his family and we, we hung out, we ate a burger. He, he showed us around, met some really great people. And as we started to be- head back home, Audrey and I were both just in agreement that we just didn't feel like Taylor was it. We just didn't have peace about it. And as we were commuting home, we were just having this conversation of like, Lord, once again, what, what, what is it you're doing in our life? Like, like, we don't understand. We're seeking you. We're searching for you. But we, we don't seem to find you anywhere. So what, what, what is it? So we were driving down 79 right here, and we were commuting through Hutto, right under 130 in this east side of Round Rock by Dell Diamond. It's is kind of the stretch where, for whatever reason, God just, he just put this warmth over us. It was the hippo. Was the hippo. <laughs> now, this is what I'm talking about, kids' church. Thank you for that. Come on. <laughs> Maybe it was maybe it was the hippo, but he did. He just he just he put this warm. It was the spirit. It was the spirit. It wasn't the hippo. The spirit was warming our hearts for this area, which really just raised a question that Audrey and I. I'm telling you right here on 79, we were right there in front of Hat Creek probably at this time, and it was just like, why not here? I mean, why why not? I mean we had the facts. The facts tells us that Austin is considered the highest post-Christian city or the metro Austin area is considered the highest post-Christian city in Texas and it's growing as you guys know like crazy. So why not? So Audrey and I we just we agreed let's let's just pray. Let's just pray and pursue planting a church in the greater Austin area and let's just see what the Lord does. So as 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 we began to pray this and pursue this the Lord began to move and then and then we moved back in January which brings me here today which is really cool because it's exactly a year ago that the Lord revealed our calling and where we would plant in Hippo Nation It was exactly a year ago today which is pretty pretty exciting so now that I've got that, I, wanna, I just want to kind of set that aside for us, because we're going to come back to that in just a second. But I want to just kind of set that aside with us. I want to turn our, our attention to a voice that matters way more than mine, and let's look at John chapter 20. So I'm going to read the Scripture, and I'm going to ask if you, would, if, you, if you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to get you guys active. We like those kids up and down and moving around. John chapter 20, we're going to begin reading in verse 19, and I believe the scriptures will be on the screen behind us if you don't have your Bibles. And it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Church, this is God's word. You may be seated. So our text this morning puts us in a pivotal moment in the Scriptures. Jesus has been falsely accused, arrested, beaten, nailed to a cross, and ultimately murdered. He's been dead for three days, and on the first day of the week, early in the morning, we're told that a few women would travel to a tomb to find that his body wasn't there. No, it hadn't been moved. No, it wasn't stolen. As his body, we sing this, as his body would begin to breathe... Jesus, who willingly laid his life down, he takes it back up just like he said he would. So, before we can get into any values, any of our values here at Redeemer, we must start with that day. You see, that day was the day that Jesus Christ conquered death. That day is what we call the resurrection. It was by this that Jesus truly proves that he is, in fact, the Messiah. And church, know this, all of our values here at Redeemer, they flow from that day, from this moment, from the resurrection. So now I want to I invite you guys with me this morning, and I want to take an imaginative field trip. I want to do my best to insert ourselves into the room with these disciples, because this is kind of a big deal. This is, this is breaking news. And I, I, in fact, I think if we're honest and open, this can be kind of hard to believe at times, or pretty overwhelming, or this is some crazy news. Could you imagine living it? So as we put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples, we must know that it's a lot. This is overwhelming. There's a lot of emotions. And they've just spent the past three years living and learning the ways of Jesus, then poof, he's he's just gone. Which is the reason why we find our disciples hiding behind a locked door Afraid, overwhelmed, and wondering, what what, what happens next? And verse 19 tells us that Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were glad when they saw that it was the Lord. Again, putting ourselves into the room behind locked doors, imagine how quiet it was in there. Like what we know of Peter, I can imagine Peter's probably frustrated in this moment, kind of pacing around, and and it's just causing all kinds of chaos. Because keep in mind, at this point, the only ones who have actually seen risen Jesus are the women who went early to the tomb in the morning, and then the two that were walking to Emmaus. So it's later in the day, it's a few hours later, and the only thing that the original 11 have experienced at this moment is just the reports that have come back. So I think it's safe to say that these these guys are they're probably on an emotional roller coaster wondering what in the world is happening. What is what has just taken place? And then all of a sudden Jesus somehow appears through a locked door, which by the way would be terrifying, right? I mean that would be scary. But don't worry because the scriptures tell us he comes in peace, right? This was proving that as he traveled through this locked door that he wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a spirit, it's actually him. It's the risen Jesus, it's him in the flesh. And he says this, he says, see my hands and see my side. And Luke's account even tells us that he asked for a piece of fish to eat, just to prove in fact that he was was human. What a beautiful image of our Lord and Savior coming in peace to give peace. Imagine. Can you imagine hearing his voice in that moment? Like, think of just the chaos of the day or the, really the past couple of days that just took in place, just how calming his voice would be, how gentle it would be. Like, hey, fellas, it, it, it's okay. It's me. It's Jesus. Like, take a deep breath. Like, Peter, why don't you sit down? You're making me a little nervous, you know? Like, come on. But Peace. Church, at times the circumstances around us can make us feel surrounded and suffocated. Like there's no way out. What are we going to do? And this this unknown or this fear, it really drives our anxieties. I just want to give you the words of the Prince of Peace this morning and simply share with you. Peace be with you. Jesus is not dead, but alive and church family in a room this size, maybe you're one of the ones who are just kind of feeling surrounded or suffocated. I just want to encourage you that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes on our behalf and he has got the whole world in his hands. The power of the mission for the Christian, it is rooted in the peace that we receive from Jesus. The peace that he's alive. Of course they were glad. They get to be a part of the good news. And they get to be a part of it. We also get to be a part of this good news, this gospel news, that he is not dead, but alive. And in John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even though I'm sending you. Every gospel account contains commissioning. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record what we know as the Great Commission, which is a combination of both gospel message and movement. They're not going to reach the nations by hiding behind the locked door, afraid for their lives. You see, this morning, we're seeing the disciples, they're in a posture of defense. They're confused, they're afraid, and their best move is just to hide and to to retreat, maybe to defend their lives. Because up to this point, they haven't understood the whole purpose of Jesus' mission, if you were to look in verse 21 where it says he breathed the Holy Spirit on them, this is where the Old Testament scriptures and prophecies would be revealed to these disciples. He would bring this to the forefront of their hearts. But at this moment, this very moment, they, just, they still don't understand it. So recalling some of those moments that the, the past three years of those guys living and learning from them, recalling those moments would have been difficult. Recalling a moment where where Jesus says to Peter, he says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Back in Matthew 16, that had been difficult to recall. But it's an important verse um, in the the life and death and resurrection of Jesus because this is the first time that the church is mentioned in the scriptures. And we also see in the same conversation opposition. Notice it says gates of hell. Gates are used as a barrier of defense for protection. So in order for the church to be missional, it has to be proactive in advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth. It has to be willing to push back the darkness all the way to the gates of hell. What an important moment in the history of the church. It's because we're not, we're not meant to live in retreat from the world around us, but to engage About three weeks ago, Jordan preached a message out of our Titus series, really kind of hitting hitting on this. And I, I would encourage you, if you missed that, go back and listen to it. Because he teaches us that hiding our families and kids from the world is not what Jesus commanded us to do. We're to go out and to engage the world and proclaim the good news that Jesus is not dead, but alive. We are to make disciples who make disciples, pushing back the darkness. And this church is mission. This is missional. This is our purpose. And these are our values. So as we seek to understand that God and Redeemer both value mission, we must understand first and foremost that we don't work for God's approval. We get to work from God's peace as he provides his power by his spirit, all for his glory. So, what I want to do is I want to take verse 21 and I really want to just kind of break it down. I want to look at verse 21 through three different lenses. And the first lens I want to look at is what we'll call the, the, the macro mission. It's, it's kind of the big picture, a big overview. And we're going to look at as the Father has sent. Verse 21, as the Father has sent. So this mission or or this offense wasn't just created and drummed up in the moment by Jesus. Our God from the very beginning proves to be a God of mission. Think back to the garden in Genesis chapter three. As sin enters the world, it says that God would come walking in in the cool of day to address our parents' first sin that they had just fallen into. And he would respond with what is known as the first gospel, which is a promise of a coming Redeemer. And so from this moment forward, everything and everyone that we read about in our Old Testament is all pointing us to a coming Messiah. So as we think about these Bible stories that we heard as a kid, or maybe you're studying them or reading them right now, and maybe you're just even seeing some of the behavioral issues or some of the morals that you're trying to live up to. Or maybe you were taught like, like, like that, these, these morals that we can live up to. Like, for instance, here, here are some examples. Make wiser choices unlike Adam and Eve. Or how about don't kill your brother like Cain? How about, how about a, a, or maybe you just need to have just a little bit more faith like Abraham. I mean, he was willing to sacrifice his son. Church, don't don't run and hide from God like Jonah did. And then my favorite is this one. Go defeat the giants of your life like David did. You see, these moral ambitions, they're not God's intentions. Everything and everyone from our Old Testament are just meant to point us to Jesus, the Messiah, the coming Redeemer. And as awesome as all of these Old Testament men and women are, We all know they fall short. They can't save themselves. This is why they needed a Messiah. This is why they needed Jesus. And Tim Keller, he captures it best by showing us that Jesus is the true and better everyone and everything. And a few of these, I'm going to read a few of these off to you guys. It says that Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and his obedience was imputed to us. Jesus is the true and better Moses who stands in the gap between the people and the Lord and mediates a new covenant. Jesus is the true and better David whose victory becomes the people's victory though they never lifted a stone to accomplish it by themselves. And Jesus is the true and better Esther who didn't just risk losing a palace but he lost the ultimate heavenly palace and who didn't just risk losing his life but he gave it for his people. Tim Keller captures it. He says, Jesus is the true and better, just, just fill in the blank. Just fill in the blank. Church, if they needed Jesus in the Old Testament, we do too. Because we're no different. We can't save ourselves. We need a Messiah. We need Jesus. And, and and please hear me out. We, we can we can learn from this history. We can learn some things: what to do, what to, not to do. We can learn some obedience and some of those things. But our ultimate, uh, but the Old Testament ultimately shows us that we can trust and depend on our missional God, who seeks, who saves, and who sins. So that's that's kind of micro vision. That's that's big picture. So let's let's zoom in just a little closer. And and it says, as the Father has sent me. As the Father has sent me, meaning Jesus. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So all of the Old Testament prophecies and promises are, for, are fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And like I said, in the moment in just a second where Jesus would breathe the Spirit on those guys, this is the moment where these things are kind of coming to, to, to life, the, the lights clicking on for these disciples in this moment. The Son who was sent on mission by the Father not to condemn, but to save and to redeem the world. So we see this in His life. You see, Jesus didn't come to hang out with the strong, rich, and powerful, but he came for the weak, poor, and lowly. He met people where they were at, and he welcomed the poor and marginalized. He invited those into a new kind of family. And this love and compassion that we see live through the Son of Man, this is what really drives the Pharisees nuts. They would grumble things like, this man receives sinners and, and eats with them. And Jesus would respond with teaching and sharing parables like like the lost son in Luke 15. And he would correlate this, 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 this message with maybe the older brother and the Pharisees that they would be confronted with this idea of join the party and accept a kingdom of grace and so associate with sinners. Or you can stay outside, throw a fit, isolate yourselves, cling to a system of merit because that's working for you and only associate with, quote-unquote, respectable people. Because we all know those guys, right? Yes, Jesus would meet sinners, and he would eat with the tax collectors, and he would meet them where they were at. But glory be to God, he wouldn't let them stay there. Through compassion and through grace and mercy, he would confront the sin as the word or as authority. He would call for repentance, or he would extend grace and then he would call for repentance. And we see this type of ministry all through the life of Jesus, all the way to the cross. So that's, that's the micro vision. So now, now let's look at the, we're going to look at the last lens. The last lens is, it's, it's our lens. And it says, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. You see, the greatest assignment ever given was the mission of Jesus. And now the disciples in the church have been enlisted into God's army to participate in God's mission. Like I said earlier, this is just John's unique way of sending out those who call Jesus Lord. Leslie Newbegin says there's no participation in Christ without participation in his mission to the world. That by which the church receives its existence is by which it is also given its world's mission. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Church, as a disciple, you have been assigned, you have been enlisted into God's army to to continue this advancement of uh, of the gospel to the whole creation, to the to the ends of the earth. Church, you are sent. You are sent. Do you realize that? Do you realize that all of our lives are telling some sort of story? Does yours reflect the story of God? Does yours tell the story of God, or does it reflect something else, like maybe, I don't know, the American dream? You see, here at Redeemer, we desire to see every one of you living on God's mission. And this is why we prioritize making disciples and planting churches. So here at Redeemer, we value a culture of cultivating disciples. These disciples have just spent the past three years living and learning the way of Jesus. And he is just, Jesus has just invited them into a new kind of family, a surrogate family. And all throughout their time together, he was teaching, he was shaping, he was, he was forming them into kingdom minded servants. You know what's really cool, and I want, I want to point this out like in their moment of crisis, those guys turned inward to other like minded believers. They didn't scatter and go their, their own separate ways, but they all came together to figure out what they were supposed to do, other like minded believers. Because Jesus' followers were called disciples long before they were ever called Christians. They were living life together. They were called into a new kind of family, a kingdom family. And the way that this is lived out here at Redeemer is first by Sunday gatherings. Here this morning. Sunday gatherings are important to the life of the church. Guys, we gather to... Um, worship God and we do this by praying, by reading scriptures, by preaching, administering sacraments and so on. Everything that you guys experience on a Sunday morning gathering, all of this is, all of this is to train and disciple and to equip us to go live Since We also disciple in gospel communities and this is a, the context where we can gather in a, a smaller, more personal or intimate setting to live out the realities of the gospel in a broken world. We like to celebrate each other's victories and bear one another's burdens. I want to share a quick story with you, man. Rick and I, we joke about this quite a bit. But when you're church planting, like there are high highs and there are low lows. I mean, literally, like in the morning, Monday morning, you're like, I'm going to conquer the world. And then right after lunch, you're like, what have I just done to my family? Like, I've just broken everybody. You know, there's, there's ebbs and flows, highs and lows. And some of the most chaotic times in my life have have really kind of taken place over the past, probably like seven, eight months, past year. And God has used you guys in your gospel communities to reach out and make us feel welcomed. I mean, you guys invited us into your homes when you didn't even know who we were. You guys have fed us. You've invited us to sit at your dinner tables you have uh, reached out to my wife and kids to have playdates at the park you guys have gone out of your way to bring us food you guys have let us rent your houses you guys have helped us purchase houses in a crazy chaotic market redeemer you guys have been a like a what like a gospel community you guys have been representing the kingdom you guys have made the last seven months for our family feel like seven years. You have welcomed us into your family. And for that, I just, I just wanted to just give you a shout out and say thank you. Truly, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Because God has used you guys to advance. He's, he's using you guys to advance his kingdom. We also offer equipping classes, connect nights, podcasts, Redeemer Kids, shout out. I see you back there, guys. All of this is to train and to equip our family, young and old, to live like Jesus. And church, know this. In all of this, our aim is not to, to fill a, a bunch of programs just to keep you busy and to seclude you from the world. But what it's to do, it's, it's to prepare you, to equip you, to, tra- to train you and disciple you to live like Sense to live on mission. It's like this: if you guys, if you're a parent with kids, like as your kids are born and they grow up in your household, the, the idea is to raise your kids with the values that that you value in your home, right? But the ultimate goal that we're hoping and praying is that those guys, when they're turning 18 or 19, we can send them out of our house for one to save us some money, right? We we, we send them out, and we send them into school. We send them into the workforce. We send them out into the world, hoping that something has stuck over the past 18 years. That's the same thing we're trying to do here, is, is to grow you guys up, to disciple you, to train you, to send you out, send you out into the world. Which brings us to our second value that I want to touch on, which is multiplying churches or church planting. Again, last week, if you didn't hear this, um, Josh preached, uh, he, he kind of drilled down into uh, planting churches and how we can be generous with our time and resources in that, and if you missed that, I would highly encourage you to go back and list that. In fact, I need you to if you didn't hear that, because I need more witnesses, because he mentioned something about $100,000 to church planting residents. I don't, I don't know. It's just what he said. Did you hear that? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the, the other church planter in the room. <laughs> Robert and Rick said amen. (laughs) You see, Redeemer has been committed from day one to be a church-planting church. And this vision is to multiply a family of churches across Central Texas and to establish a church-planting partnership across the globe. This is why my family's here. This is why the Bowers are here. This is why the Livingstons are here. It's to plant churches, to make God's name known. You see, we plant churches to reach more people with the good news of Jesus who has defeated sin and death and offers new life. You see, the peace that we have and that the world needs. Disciple-making and planting churches. So, so I, I get an opportunity, I wanna, I wanna take an opportunity. So we kinda set this aside over here in my story at the beginning. So I'm gonna kinda bring that back to the forefront and, and share with you guys just a little bit of my lens. Of what god has done in our lives how god has used you guys to to really shape kind of the vision that we have for planting redeemer huddo there in a in in the community right next door to us so um, audrey and i have have come to realize after living in huddo and just just really trying to contextualize huddo that the community of huddo is in desperate need for the gospel you see 20 years ago the community was about 1200 people and, and now, today, it's roughly about 33,000 and growing fast. Like it's kind of been just kind of taken in by this craziness of, of the growth of the, the greater Austin area. It's estimated to, to peak out somewhere north of 65, somewhere between 65 and 85,000 people. And as of today, there are approximately 15 churches that service this area. 15 churches. Where I come from is a town of about 3,000 people, and there's like 20 churches where I come from. 15 churches. And what's even crazier about that is we're we're called to go to the nations, to go to the world, right? I'm telling you, living in Huddle, we have met people from um, Africa, from the Middle East, from Asia, from Europe, Central America. I mean, we've met people from all over the world, especially those from California. We have met... We have met so many people from all over. So I'm telling you, church, 10 minutes to the east of you, right down the road right here, the nations are represented. And Jesus clearly calls us to go, to go make disciples and to go plant churches. That's just my context. I would highly encourage you, go reach out to Rick and Megan, sit down with those guys and let them tell you about Redeemer West because it's a whole different context over there. Or, or go, go sit down with, with, with Robert and his family and let them tell you their heart for Georgetown and what God is revealing and showing them where they're at. The need for the gospel in our area, it's, it's, it's vital. It's vital, church. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. Church, we value in multiplying disciples and multiplying churches because ultimately it multiplies God's kingdom and his glory. God is on mission. He values it, so we value it. He voices it, so we voice it. So I challenge you, brothers and sisters, let's get out from hiding behind a locked door, and let's set our hearts on God's mission with the peace and power that He so freely gives. And let's go. Let's go into our neighborhoods Let's go into our schools. Let's go into our places of work. Let's go into the restaurants. Let's go to the grocery stores. Let's go to the gyms. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Just like Matthew 28 tells us, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Church, would you pray with me? Father God, we, um, man, just blown away, God, by your glory, and just getting to share what you've done in just 365 days of my family's life today has just been so rewarding and so exciting, and God, I'm thankful, and God, I'm sorry where I, I failed to see the big picture, God, because it wasn't mine to see, it was yours to give. And God, I'm sorry for the times that we mistrusted or we doubted your calling on our life, but God, we see it. We see it now. And God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you that you have called us, believers in Jesus, to live since. God, we're thankful that you've allowed us to live on mission with everything that we have. And God, I thank you personally for the people and the family of Redeemer Church. God, and how you've used these guys man, to really just minister to our hearts and God really just convict us in what we wanna just replicate, this DNA that, that, that's, that's here, God. And, and though these guys aren't perfect, God, I'm not, I'm not proclaiming perfection here, but God, I'm praying, or I'm, I'm claiming that they, they, they see their purpose, they see their mission. And God, so let us come together Let's inwardly focus like-minded believers in our moments of crisis. And God, let us go out and be sent. Sent on mission, sent to make disciples, sent to plant churches, sent to multiply your kingdom and your glory forever and ever. And it's in your son's perfect and holy name I get to pray these things through. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app
1: store.